It's time for the letter of the day. Today's episode of My Seminary Life is brought to you by the letter Alpha. Alpha is for Anazao, the letter Alpha. Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and this is the start of our brand new series, Ancient Greece. But before we get into the big question for today's episode, which is, should ancient Greece matter to modern Christians? I want to take a moment to reintroduce the show to you all. This always happens at the beginning of a new series as I start playing to the algorithm and SEOs of use and using hashtags and all this that eventually a whole new group of listeners uh, finds the show. So it would be very helpful if I introduce to you all what exactly we're doing here. So, my seminary life started about two and a half years ago now as a show where I was recapping what I was studying in grad school as I was finishing my Master of Arts in Ministry Studies. During that time, talked about a lot of different topics from preaching to intercultural ministry, discipleship, even ministry administration. My last class wrapped up right around March of this year, and since then, we've been in a new phase that I'm calling the independent study era, where I am picking subjects that I probably should have taken a class on in seminary, like apologetics. That was the first one right off the bat that we covered here on the show, and then still making space during this new phase for some fun, more unique topics to cover. For example, we just got done with the summer of Bonhoeffer and now with ancient Greece, both of these definitely fall more into the fun, but still very beneficial category. So you can find episodes of the show every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, But another day that you might want to keep in mind, along with Saturdays, is Thursdays. So follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod, if you haven't yet already, because every Thursday I am going to be highlighting more than likely an article, but maybe a video here and there that expands the conversation that we're having here on the show in a different way. So as an example. This past Thursday, um, I shared an article on Tertullian, who was a church father, his famous quote, um, I'm going to butcher this because it doesn't translate very clearly in English. What indeed does Athens to do with Jerusalem? Which is essentially the title of today's episode, Should Ancient Greece Matter to Modern Christians. Um, This was something that Tertullian was wrestling with 
way back in the day. And so you can get some of his thoughts and perspectives uh, if you go check out that article. Along with the um, resources I'm going to be sharing on social media on Thursdays, every first, third, and whenever there is a fifth Thursday in the month, there is going to be a new video released on YouTube. We launched a YouTube channel over the summer, youtube.com slash myseminarylife. Over the summer, I've been doing videos basically talking about the highs and lows of seminary, the things that I enjoyed, the critiques I have of seminary as an institution, and starting this month, going to start highlighting some of the interviews I've done recently for the show from the Summer of Bonhoeffer series. Along with that, on every second, fourth, and I don't think there's ever a sixth Thursday in a month, so every second and fourth Thursday of the month, there will be blog posts shared to our Buy Me a Coffee page, buymeacoffee.com slash mslpod. This is a way to financially support the show. You can leave a one-time gift and never think about it again. Or you can subscribe to one of our membership tiers. There's a $5 a month tier and a $9 a month tier. Both of those get you access to these exclusive blog posts. And everybody who subscribes to the $9 a month tier gets a shout out here on the show. So thank you, Lori, for supporting the show. Your grades. Buymeacoffee.com slash MSLP. Pod. So that's all the expanded universe content to keep up with. Another place I would like to direct you is towards the My Seminary Life website. On there, you can find links to all of these things, plus the shop where you can get t-shirts and hats and mugs. should probably start making some like cold weather, start designing cold weather merch. But the two things I want you to really pay attention to over on the website is the playlist tab and the resources tab. The playlist tab groups together all of the different um, series that we've done over the years into broad categories. So for an example, one of the playlists is called Ministry Insights. And these are all the series that I've done over the years that deal with church ministry whether it's administration, discipleship, local church ministry, all of those series are collected in these playlists. So if you're looking for a specific topic to listen to or looking to catch up on certain uh, eras of the show, you can go on there to the playlist tab and binge them that way. The other tab to look for is the resources tab. I've covered a lot of books over the past two years, two and a half years now, here on the show. And the resources tab is a list of all of my favorite books that I've talked about here on the show with a link to Amazon to be able to purchase them and a corresponding episode for each book as well. Last but certainly not least, My Seminary Life is a part of the Anazao Ministries podcast network which I think is technically not how you say that word. And I feel obligated to point that out because we are in a series on ancient Greece. I do believe it's actually pronounced Anazao. 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 Because it's a Omega at the end. Anazao. We'll just call it AMP during this series. Um, uh, 
the shows on AMP are united under this banner of Christians who aren't afraid to ask the big questions. And what's cool is that because of the diversity of the shows on AMP, there's a lot of different big questions that are being wrestled with. You have My Seminary Life. You're familiar with what's going on here now. Um, Whole Church Podcast is having interdenominational conversations. Systematic Ecology is a faith-based pop culture show. Let Nothing Move You is going through the Bible chapter by chapter. Dummy for Theology is looking at big theological concepts from various vantage points, various perspectives. The Bible After Hours is uh, a show that critiques conservative evangelicalism. And very recently, we've added two new shows. Uh, first one, The first one up is called The Clydes, which is a marriage Christian lifestyle show. The Clydes are a wonderful couple. I've met them recently. You should check their show out for sure. And for all you NHL fans, starting soon, I imagine, is uh, the brand new show, Hockey Night in the Carolinas. So truly, there is something for everybody here on AMP. It's so diverse, it almost incentivizes me to start one of my really kooky ideas for a podcast, because if there can be a hockey podcast, who who can who's going to stop me from starting a kung fu movie review show? Honestly, now I know that was a lot of information. It's been like ten minutes of me just talking about links and everything. It you might feel like how you did as a freshman in college, and the professor just handed you your syllabus, and it's all these expectations. Don't worry. You can always go into the description of any episode to find all of those links. I know that would have been the shorter way to do things, but again, because this is the start of a new series, I want to make sure everybody is aware. All the information is clear. Now, some of you who have been around the block with the show are probably thinking to yourself by this point, all right, already, Brandon, just get on with it. Take us to ancient Greece already. Okay. Let's get in our way, way back machine and head on back to a wild and crazy time. 2016. Yeah, we're not headed to ancient Greece quite yet. We have to make a pit stop first in 2016. Uh, In 2016, I was finishing up my first year of my first attempt at trying to finish seminary. I was working in retail at the time, full time, and I think... My wife, Claire, and I were dating by this point, I think. We started dating in 2016. I can't remember if these two things happened right around the same time or not, but regardless. One day I was at work, I went into the break room, and one of my coworkers was sitting at the table in the break room, laptop up, earbuds in, watching a lecture, and or what appeared to be a lecture, I should say. It was a boring looking person talking at a screen. So it wasn't a Ted talk. And when she saw me come in, she like took her earbuds out, said hello. And I knew she was in college. So I asked her, Oh, are you working on homework right now? And she said, not really, but kind of, she had found out that there was a university that had started offering free online classes 
and you don't get credit for taking these courses, but you do get a little certificate of completion. Hooray! And just to continue to round out her education, she was going to take some of these courses that corresponded to her degree program. I think she was in elementary ed or something like that, um, just to have like an additional resource to study. Now, in 2023, that's not a very revolutionary idea. There's a lot of places that you can go to get free online courses. I don't know if you've ever checked out the Gospel Coalition's courses page, but they seriously have like 50 or more classes available uh, by, you know, great theologians and also John Piper, like there's, and also John MacArthur, all the Johns are invited. Um, so there's courses there. There's, um, the Bible project has courses, free online courses as well. The, um, Oh, who am I thinking of? Cedarville has a selection of free classes. Now I think it's the ones that everybody has to take for the Bible minor. Even Harvard has, free online classes now. Like this is a very common thing here in 2023, but in 2016, which wasn't that long ago, this was kind of a newer revolutionary idea to get people to recognize your institution by putting free courses out there. And this is probably something that I should do at some point for MSL is to build an actual course for people to take. That's a popular thing for content creators to do. But in 2016, this was like a new, really cool thing. So when I got off work and got home, I pulled up this university's website and was looking at the course catalog. And I found one that sounded really interesting. It was on ancient Greece. And I decided that when I was done with my homework for the week for seminary, I would sit down, this course was self-paced, so I would sit down and work on, you know, watch some lectures, do some of the reading, and just think about something else for a while. And I got this idea because when I was in college, my, I've, I've talked about this before, my bachelor's was in biblical studies, but my minor was in communications. So I had two very different types of things that I was studying. And it was really good for my brain. It gave different areas of my brain, like time to rest, you know, with the theology, it was all very, a lot of reading, a lot of like, deep thinking, whereas with communication, I was using more of like my creativity side of my brain. I literally took a class where I built this, the set for the spring musical, I paid for a class to use me as free labor. And I don't really like thinking about that now. Anyway, so my idea was, okay, I will do my seminary homework and then work a different part of my brain taking some of these free classes. And that worked for a whole three weeks before I finally gave up on it because as I already established, I was in seminary and working full time. And I think dating Claire by this point. And this was really early in my preaching ministry. And so I was also writing a lot of sermons. I was preaching two to three times a month during this time period. I was doing a lot of studying. And so this free, like totally not being graded thing not getting paid to do thing could totally not happen. The problem, though, is that I'm a completionist. 
I have to finish a project that I am working on. I cannot tell you how many shows I finished that by three episodes in, I didn't like it, but I still felt obligated to finish it. And granted, when it's that kind of a situation, I feel like I really accomplished something by the time I'm done with this the show that wasn't very good. Um, but I, I have to finish things. I think it's partially because I've always been like a collector. I've collected a lot of things throughout my life, most notably comic books. And so the idea of like completing a set of things is just very normal in my brain. Also, I think this totally has something to do with anxiety and mental health issues that I feel like I have to finish things and or else it's a reflection on my identity. And that's a whole issue for another time. Um, but I knew then that if I was n- if I was going to put this class on the back burner, that one day when the time was right, I was going to come back and finish it. And so earlier this year, when I was finalizing the topics that I was going to cover here on the show, I in the original draft had this as the very first topic right out of seminary. I reprioritized and put apologetics first because, again, it baffles me that I got through seminary without having to take an apologetics class. But here we are. We are doing this so that way I can finally say I finished this class because I have to complete it and take that much more anxiety off of my plate. And I know some of you at home are thinking, that's swell, that's good for you, Brandon, but why do I care? Why do I care about ancient Greece? That's nice that you're do- you're taking care of your mental health by completing this thing, but why do I care to stick around and listen? Which is a which it's a fair question and it it happens all the time. Like I said at the beginning, usually at the start of every new series, there's a little bump in new listeners because this is a topic that interests them. So they're going to come listen to a series on ancient Greece because they like the topic. Hello, welcome to the show. But it also always happens. I see the analytics. It's happened, I think, every single series that we've done here where there is a small group. I'm talking about a very small minority of the listeners who stop listening because they were here for, in this case, they were here for the Bonhoeffer content. They don't care about Greece, which is why I asked in the last episode to at least come to this first episode. Listen to this first one, because I'm going to give you three reasons. I sound, I'm totally leaning into like my Baptist preacher side here today. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should care, why you should stick around for this series. By the way, I just want to let you all know that this is a very small group of listeners. The the MSL listening base is actually a very loyal group of people. And I thank you all for being so loyal. There are so many of you out there who you're just, you're down for whatever. You're here for the ride. You're bought in. You really like me. I don't know, some combination of all of that. So whatever the topic is, and I'm going to really test some of your some of you when it comes to the series we're going to do in March of next year. 
but some of you you're, you're here because you're bought in and I'm very thankful you know lately I've been getting some very positive feedback on the show um and I've been very thankful for that it's positive feedback is one thing but it's also like people coming to me saying I'm reading this book now I'm I'm watching I watched Bonhoeffer Agent of Grace it's this type of feedback that makes me go I'm doing something. People aren't just listening to the show. They're participating and educating themselves and telling me things that they learned. And I just, those are the, these brief moments are the, the moments I need to keep doing these things. So thank you all. Thank you all for supporting the show. But for those of you who are kind of hanging on here, why do I care? Well, here we go. Three reasons why I think you should stick around for this series on ancient Greece. Number one, this time period directly affects the context of the New Testament. And if we are going to say context determines meaning, then we need to know about this time period. If historical context plays such a key factor in our hermeneutics how we study scripture, then we need to be familiar with the context of ancient Greece because it directly affects the New Testament. And if you have ever heard me preach, you know that I have switched into my preaching voice and I'm doing all of my hand gestures, even though none of you can see any of this. Claire laughed because she's back here playing a game and can see me. she can at least see me do my hand gestures this time period you some of you may protest isn't directly affecting the new testament because by this point in time when the new testament opens and jesus is on the scene and the church is growing rome is in charge the the rise and fall of the greek empire actually takes place Prior to this, in a time period that we call the intertestamental period, this is when it appears that God has stopped speaking. There's no more divine revelation. There's no um, prophets, nothing. God doesn't like send any form of a message. I guess you could say, technically, there's no form of a message until John the Baptist's birth is foretold at the beginning of the book of Luke. I think that's like the first very direct message from God that comes from an angel. So this is this time period in, of silence from God. This is the rise and the fall of the Greek empire. The thing is, though, is that this time period still does directly and indirectly affect the context of the New Testament. Case in point, it's in Greek. It's in Koine Greek. It's in the common Greek language that the original manuscripts are written in. So that was the language still. If I remember correctly, it was only people in high political power, high political places that were speaking Latin by this point. Greek was still kind of the common language that everybody spoke on the street. It was the trade language. And so it kind of made the gospel spreading part a little easier that everyone had kind of a common tongue. Along with that, if you go back all the way to the Discipleship Method series, you will recall that a lot of how discipleship functioned in the 
New Testament, Jesus and his disciples was influenced by both Jewish and Greek culture. And as you're reading the scripture, as you're reading, especially like when you get into the book of Acts, certain types of Greek philosophical groups like Stoics start popping up as the gospel is spreading and people are dialoguing with other people of other philosophies and religions. There's even some scholars out there who would argue, I think it's particularly with the Apostle Paul's letter to Rome, the book of Romans, that Paul seems to be using a little bit of Greek Stoicism, which is a philosophy, in how he formulates his arguments and how he shapes his theology. So even though Greece is not in power in the New Testament, the fingerprints of Greece are still all over the place. Part of the reason why the Jewish people even have any form of a cultural identity still at this time is because Judah Maccabee led a revolt against the Greek co-regent king to preserve their identity and to, while Greek was ta- Greece was taking over and Hellenizing everybody, this band of Jewish people fought to preserve their cultural identity. So, like, that's why they even have any semblance, that's part of the reason why they have any semblance of an identity when you do get into the New Testament. It's also why we have Hanukkah. Anyway, so that's the first reason why you should stick around, because knowing what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is going to help you better. It may help you better understand the New Testament, and it may also just help you better picture what the culture, what the climate, what the the people were like at the time. Reason number two why I think you should stick around for this series is because ancient Greek culture directly affects our current culture as well. And that's for both like American culture and Christian culture as well. If you just go back a few months ago to the apologetics series we did, many of our arguments for the existence of God find their root in the philosophy of Plato and Aristotle. Like, even in our own religion, some of our arguments to prove the existence of our God comes from Greek philosophy. Greek philosophy still plays a big role in how we think about Western theology or Western philosophy in general. Greece is often seen as the originators of Western culture. Our political system finds its roots in how Greece operated politically. And even some of the founding fathers were familiar with some of the ancient Greek classical writings in the, as they were formulating our democracy and republic and how our systems function. It's not like they flipped a coin and that's how they they arrived at our form of government. No, they were, some of them were, I think it was Thomas Jefferson, was familiar with how ancient Greek politics worked. 
So from religion to politics, the great pumpkin, philosophy, like they all have influence from Greek culture. Our whole, like how uh, many people, I've not so much Christians, well, probably some Christians, but you know, a lot of people who highly value America and are very patriotic, they see the height of Greece as the goal for America. We are the new Greece, the new ancient Greece. Um, and you can even just push all of those things aside for a moment and just look at our pop culture. How many movies about Hercules have there been made throughout the years? Greek mythology, Greek history has continued to be a popular use for movies, TV shows, comic books. Like it's it's everywhere. Even technically like our understanding of the three act structure in movies, TV shows, plays and the concept of the hero's journey that is typically used in writing stories those things again find their roots in greek culture in the theater from their time period so when we look at greek culture and take uh, ancient greece and take a time take the time to actually like reflect and learn about it we actually better understand our own culture and our own climate Today, ancient Greece culture, ancient Greece helps us better understand the culture of the New Testament, the context of the New Testament. It helps us understand our current context. And third and finally, why I think you should stick around for this series is because you're actually asking the right question. Usually when people ask the question, and why do I care? It's annoying. And I'm a young parent, so I know there will only be a few more years before Cooper starts asking those type of obnoxious questions. And I'm going to look at producer Cooper and say, because I said so. But honestly, in this situation, if you are sitting here thinking, why do I care about this? Why should I listen to this series? Should this time period matter to me today as a modern Christian? And what's brilliant about that is that, ignorantly or not, you're actually asking a very profound question, a question that has been wrestled with throughout church history. I brought up Tertullian earlier and his fancy quote, what does Athens have to do with Jerusalem? What does the height of art and culture and philosophy have to do with the center of Judaism and Christianity? And the punchline, you should still go read the article. The punchline for Tertullian is it doesn't, they have nothing in common with each other. And so he worked very hard to separate these two worlds and for Christianity to formulate its own teachings, its own doctrines, separate from Greek influence. In the meantime, you had his contemporary Clement, who also, like Tertullian, was a very um, was a very important part of church history and formulated a lot of our orthodox doctrines as well. He looked at it and arrived at a completely different 
conclusion. He said that much like how the Jewish law is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, he saw it very similarly with Greek philosophy being ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Because when you look at a lot of the arguments for or a lot of the teachings within Greek philosophy, I think it's Plato argues for a monotheistic god rather than a pantheon of gods. Uh, Aristotle Aristotle writes extensively about ethics and what it means to have a good life. Stoicism talks about a lot of this as well. That uh, there's actually a lot of good teachings that are biblical or at least line up with Christianity. And so for him, he saw it as a, yes, let's blend these things together. Let's study a Greek philosophy to better understand our faith and to strengthen our beliefs. Fast forward, you get to Martin Luther, and on his list of 95 grievances against the Catholic Church, one of them was the fact that in the monastery and old seminaries, they focused more on teaching and studying classical Greek literature than they did studying and teaching the Bible. You fast forward to today, again, like I said earlier, our arguments for the existence of God can be traced back to this time period, so that's still around. And there are plenty of classical liberal arts colleges around our country that totally embrace this idea of we need theology and Western philosophy together in order to grow as a human being, to grow in our faith. This is a big question, a big question that you may not have realized how big of a question that you have just asked of why should I stick around for this show? Now, admittedly, I'm kind of showing my cards here. The fact that I've chosen to do a series on this does show a little bit that I actually lean more towards Clement and modern um, liberal art colleges who say, yes, these things are important. We need to understand where, where our Western culture has come from. We need to understand Greek philosophy in order to grow as a person. But my hope would be that by the end of this episode, as you see that it helps you understand the New Testament, helps you understand our current culture, and you are actually joining the chorus of many believers throughout church history who have asked this question, that you will be willing to give it a try, that you will be willing to hear me out and see what could come of this. Now, some of you may be more bought into the idea now, which is great, but there are still a few of you who are like, that's great and all, but I don't like history. I just, some people are just not into the idea of studying history. Hey, Brandon, those little blips you would do of history during the summer of Bonhoeffer to set up each episode. That was great and all, but like, I don't want to know what the Spartans were doing in 300 BC, probably killing people. Like I, I just, that type of stuff doesn't interest me. Good news for you. If, if you're, if you're hung up on the whole history part, 
the good news for you is that this is not going to be a historical walkthrough of the rise and fall of Greece, but rather a topical study. So we're going to do, there's going to be an episode on Greek mythology, on politics, on philosophy, on classical Greek literature, on the Battle of Thermopylae. Like there's going to be topical conversations and less in the beginning was Greece. And then the Romans took over. Like that's that's we're not doing we're not doing that. It's going to be a topical study. And you know me, I have to make things fun. So there's going to be some movie reviews. There's actually two movie reviews featuring some of the guys from Systematic Ecology. I'm working with a guest who's never been on the show before to come in and talk about classical Greek literature. Producer Cooper himself is helping me prepare for one of the episodes. Producer Cooper will be involved. It's going to be great. Like, it's going to be fun, folks. Still, I like to have fun because as much as this is ministry, as much as this is educational, to me, this is still a show and it's still art. So it needs to have some fun whimsicalness to it. So should ancient Greece matter matter to modern Christians? I would say yes. And my hope would be by the end of this series, you will say yes as well. And that you will be able to walk away from this series, not just knowing more about culture and context, but have your faith continue to grow. All right, cool. I've plugged everything at the beginning of this episode. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate you all for giving this episode a try. Please come back next week as we get our first proper episode started on ancient Greece. But until next time, this is Brandon signing off. Remind you as always that theology is for everyone. So keep on studying.